Blog Talk Radio. Chapter 41. And it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed, and behold, he stood by the river. And behold, there came up out of the river seven well-favored kine and fat-fleshed, and they fed in a meadow. And behold, seven other kine came up after them out of the river, ill-favored and lean-fleshed, and stood by the other kine upon the brink of the river. And the ill-favored and lean-fleshed kine did eat up the seven well-favored and fat kine. So Pharaoh awoke. And he slept and dreamed the second time. And behold, seven ears of corn came up upon one stalk, rank and good. And behold, seven thin ears, and blasted with the east wind, sprung up after them. And the seven thin ears devoured the seven rank and full ears. And Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. And it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt, and all the wise men thereof. And Pharaoh told them his dream. But there was none that could interpret them unto Pharaoh. Then spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh, saying, I do remember my faults this day. Pharaoh was wroth with his servants, and put me in ward in the captain of the guard's house, both me and the chief baker. And we dreamed a dream in one night, I and he. We dreamed each man according to the interpretation of his dream. And there was there with us a young man, an Hebrew, servant to the captain of the guard. And we told him, and he interpreted to us our dreams. To each man according to his dream he did interpret. And it came to pass, as he interpreted to us, so it was. Me he restored unto mine office, and him he hanged. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon. And he shaved himself, and changed his raiment, and came in unto Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret it. And I have heard say of thee, that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, In my dream, behold, I stood upon the bank of the river. And behold, there came up out of the river seven kine, fat-fleshed and well-favored, and they fed in a meadow. And behold, seven other kine came up after them, poor and very ill-favored and lean-fleshed, such as I never saw in all the land of Egypt for badness. And the lean and the ill-favored kine did eat up the first seven fat kine. And when they had eaten them up, it could not be known that they had eaten them, but they were still ill-favored as at the beginning. So I awoke, and I saw in my dream, and behold, seven ears came up in one stalk, full and good. And behold, seven ears withered thin and blasted with the east wind sprung up after them. And the thin ears devoured the seven good ears. And I told this unto the magicians, but there was none that could declare it to me. And Joseph said unto Pharaoh, The dream of Pharaoh is one. God hath shewed Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good kine are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years. The dream is one. And the seven thin and ill-favored kind that came up after them are seven years, and the seven empty ears blasted with the east wind shall be seven years of famine. This is the thing which I have spoken unto Pharaoh. What God is about to do, he sheweth unto Pharaoh. Behold, there come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt, and there shall arise after them seven years of famine, and all the plenty shall be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine shall consume the land." And the plenty shall not be known in the land by reason of that famine following, for it shall be very grievous. And for that the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice. 
It is because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. Now therefore let Pharaoh look out a man discreet and wise, and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this, and let him appoint officers over the land, and take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous years. And let them gather all the food of those good years that come, and lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh, and let them keep food in the cities. And that food shall be for store to the land against the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land perish not through the famine. And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh, and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this is, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, Forasmuch as God hath shewed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand, and put it upon Joseph's hand, and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen, and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him to ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried before him, Bow the knee. And he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without thee shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zaphnath Paaniah, and he gave him to wife Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On. And Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. And Joseph was thirty years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh, and went throughout all the land of Egypt. And in the seven plenteous years the earth brought forth by handfuls. And he gathered up all the food of the seven years which were in the land of Egypt, and laid up the food in the cities. The food of the field which was round about every city laid he up in the same. And Joseph gathered corn, as the sand of the sea, very much, until he left numbering, for it was without number. And unto Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came, which Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, bare unto him. And Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, for God said he hath made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. And the name of the second called he Ephraim, for God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. And the seven years of plenteousness that was in the land of Egypt were ended. And the seven years of dearth began to come, according as Joseph had said. And the dearth was in all lands, but in all the land of Egypt there was bread. And when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. And Pharaoh said unto all the Egyptians, Go unto Joseph, what he saith to you, do. And the famine was over all the face of the earth. And Joseph opened all the storehouses, and sold unto the Egyptians. And the famine waxed sore in the land of Egypt. And all countries came into Egypt to Joseph for to buy corn, because that the famine was so sore in all lands. Florida, they're always popping fireworks, and so I thought it, you know, I thought normal fireworks. I hear fireworks, you know, out of nowhere, and I, I look over to my friend and I tell him, man, like that's crazy. I hear the fireworks more closer than ever, and he was like, that's strange. Like, 
they're really loud. And in that instant, I hear screaming, I hear run for your life, and I hear all kinds of shooting going on. And literally, my friend looked at me before he got shot, and he says, in Spanish, run. And I remember just going home and yelling and just in my room screaming out and saying, God, like, you must hate me. Like, I'm a gay man. I've tried to pray the gay away. I don't know what to do. Like, this is how I am. And out of nowhere, while I'm on my face on the floor, I feel a wind come into the room like never before and I feel like the Holy Spirit whispered in my ear it's not a gate of straight thing it's a lost to safe thing hallelujah hallelujah I believe today God is going to move here in a mighty way and I believe today uh, yeah that this is our day and uh, he's going to bless us uh, through testimony, through his word today, uh, through song today. And so we're grateful, grateful unto him and thank him for all he has done, what he's doing right now, right now, and what he's going to do. We bless the name of Jesus this morning. Hallelujah. No other name under the heaven where men can be saved. Jesus is the name, a place where the righteous can run in. And be saved. Hallelujah. And so we're thankful, thankful unto him. Welcome to Jesus in the Morning. I'm your host, Evangelist Barbara Pittman of Freedom Doors Ministries. And I come to you live each weekday morning, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 10 a.m. And today is June the 27th, 2023, with six months and 27 days still into this new year, and we thank God for another June the 27th. Oh, we thank him. We thank him. He has brought us, and so we're grateful unto him this morning. Listen, we are going to one more song, and after this song, when we come back, we're going to pray the prayer of faith today, because it's that prayer of faith that makes us whole. Hallelujah. Yes, he was, Brother Louis. Hallelujah. God bless you this morning, and thank you so much for posting the script. God bless you. So listen, we're going to this one song, Come Back and Have Prayer.
Hallelujah, hallelujah. That's them uh, Alabama girls right there is what the name of that group is. And I just want to tell God thank you this morning. Hallelujah. He has been good to me. Yeah, woke me up closing the right mind. Haven't been feeling well. Had a cold and I don't know what else happened, but I hadn't been feeling well. Pressed my way to the fourth Sunday fellowship. Went in and did what God would have me to do. Yesterday came on, you know, still the phone ringing, 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 some call that. I just couldn't take because I just wasn't feeling well. And uh, then Brother Anthony come by yesterday, he in town, and I finally got a chance to see him and spend a little time with him and uh, gave him some leftovers. And I mean, no leftovers taste good to me. We ate and, and uh, looked at the book of Acts uh, on TV. I love that. I love that Acts. Uh, 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 I think it's Apostle Paul telling it all. He, he just dropping it all out there. Yeah. And so I just love it. When I look in the book, this particular movie is going according to the Bible, King James Version. And so I, I get excited every time I say, I know I don't watch it so many times. And I just enjoy it. I just enjoy it. And certain parts of it make me lift my hands and tell him thank you. You hear me? It makes me tell him thank you. I can't help but be grateful and thankful unto Almighty God. Listen, we have a wonderful testimony for you this morning, and we're going to get started. So, uh, And we're going to the book of Genesis chapter 41. Joseph had a lot of trials to go through. He was sold, all kind of stuff, lied on, all kind of, but yet Joseph is blessed. And we're going to see what God does continue to do in Joseph's life today. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for another day. Thank you for waking us up this morning, closing our right minds. We thank you for watching over us as we slumbered and slept last night. We give you glory, honor, and praise, Father for the things we don't even remember, for the things we take for granted. All this morning, we say thank you, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we love you. We're grateful unto you. We appreciate you. Oh, we thank you today for all you've done. Hallelujah. And Father, we come this morning asking for forgiveness of all our sins and wrongdoings. Lord, we ask that you would put them in the sea of forgetfulness, never to remember them again. Clean us up today, O God. Give us a clean heart and renew the right spirit within us this day. In the name of Jesus, June the 27th, 2023, Father, we ask that you would fix our hearts, anything that shouldn't be in our hearts. God, we ask that you would remove it today. Let us forgive quick if we haven't forgiven anyone. Lord, help us to forgive right now in the name of Jesus. And cast our cares upon you, for you care for us. Father, we give you all that we feel that we can't handle. And the things that we can't do, we lay it on the altar before you this morning. In the name of Jesus. And Father, we ask, ask that you would fix it for us. We need you today. Without you, we can do nothing. And we don't want to lean to our own understanding. Father, we don't want to be wise in our own eyes. 
Hallelujah. We want to trust you with all our heart. We want to fear you and depart from evil. Bless us today with spiritual blessings like never before. Father, if anyone here who has not received the gift of the Holy Ghost, we ask this morning that, Father, you would baptize them this day in your Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus. Father, let them come up walking in the newness of life. Let them not see things the way that it used to be. The spirit of bonds, the spirit of depression, God, we ask this morning that you would move it. Remove it from your people in the name of Jesus. Lord, we ask that you would replace it with joy and peace, happiness today, life, living, alive in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to his majesty. We thank you that we can lean and depend on you. You'll never leave us, not forsake us. Father, you said you would be with us until the end. And we believe that this morning. So we're leaning and depending on you for all that we need and all that we want this day. For this is the day that you made. It's a good day because you made it. And Father, we will rejoice and be glad in this day, June the 27th, 2023. Hallelujah. Yesterday's gone and tomorrow's not promised, but we are here today. And Father, we want to lift you up. We want to glorify you. We want to praise you. We want to worship you this day in spirit and in truth. And, Father, we want to walk in your spirit this day that we don't fulfill the lust of our flesh. We want to keep our minds on you this day. For it's you that will keep us in perfect peace. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we bring those that are sick before you this morning, that are here, God. We ask that you would move in healing today like never before. God, as you're passing by, let us grab hold to get the hem of your garment. But there's yet healing in the hem of your garment, Father. You hear all manner of sickness and disease. No matter what it is, it's, it's no problem for you. Hallelujah. Heal this morning. Send your healing power. Touch God. Send the, the Holy Ghost fire to burn up anything that's in us that shouldn't be, and set us free this morning. In the name of Jesus, we ask. Oh, we need you today, Father. We can't make it again without you. Father, bless those that are incarcerated today. Bless our brothers and sisters overseas everywhere. Mm. Mm. Bless those that are in the military, God. Bless that administration of the military today, our military, in the name of Jesus. Continue to bless America and the leadership. Have mercy upon us, O oh God, continually. And Father, we ask that you would give us a change of heart and mind towards you. That, Lord, we'll come saying, what shall I do to be saved? Lord, we ask that those that are confused and don't understand, God, we ask this morning that you would bless them, fix their hearts, and regulate their minds today in the name of Jesus. Father, bless widowers and bereaved families and intercessory prayer people mm, everywhere, preachers, preaching in the name of Jesus and obedience unto you and love for your people 
Israel and Jerusalem. Father, bless Israel and prosper Jerusalem today. You should protect the angels to stand watch, to shield and protect. Father, keep them from all hurt, harm, or danger. Uh, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And Father, whatever we haven't prayed for here, you know what your people need. We ask that you would supply it here this morning. In the name of Jesus. Father, send a word today that will work miracles in your people's lives. Uncommon blessings this day, O oh God. In the name of Jesus. Father, whatever we forgot, move today. Move upon it. Let us be quick to forgive today, O oh God. Again, in the name of Jesus. Bless this segment. Have your way here. Move by your spirit, O oh God. We need you today like never before. Time has wound up. The world has become wickeder and wiser. And Father, we need you to lead and guide us in the right path for your name's sake. That you'll be lifted up. That you'll be praised and worshipped. That you will get the glory out of our lives in the name of Jesus. Do it for us today. Father, let us be your people because you are our God. Let us move spiritually through the earth. For Father, the flesh is no good. Hallelujah. But if we move according to your spirit, or we can be a blessing to many. We can even be a blessing to ourselves. Do it today, O oh God, in the name of Jesus. Bless us uncommonly. Work uncommon miracles in our lives. That God, we will be a blessing to others. In the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. We thank you this morning for hearing and answering our prayers. We thank you this morning that you're never too busy. We thank you for your love, your grace, and your mercy this morning. All let it continue to abound for us. Help us to be a people that obey at any cost. Not looking through natural eyes, but God help us to look through spiritual eyes that we can see the move of you. Open up our spiritual ears today so we can hear what the Spirit has to say to the church, the Spirit of Jehovah God that have all power. Hallelujah. Thank you this morning. For, I thank you. Hey, God, we thank you this morning. We thank you for hearing. We thank you, Lord, for answering us. We thank you. We thank you again for being on our side in spite of us. Father, we thank you for looking beyond our fault and yet meet thy need. Oh, we thank you this morning, for there's none like you. Glory, hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you this day. Uh, we ask it all again in Jesus' name. Amen and hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Father, we thank you this morning. We give you glory. Hallelujah. We give you honor this morning, for there's none like you. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you. Can't say thank you enough. Oh, you've done so much for us. Things we've forgotten. Things we take for granted. Oh, we thank you this morning that you don't cut us off, uh, but you keep on allowing us to live. You keep on blessing us over and over again. And we're thankful for every miracle you've worked and working 
in our lives. We thank you this morning. Thank you for our life, our health, and our strength. Thank you this morning. Things could be so much worse, Father. Hallelujah. But you are God that loves your people, and we thank you for your love. Thank you for your many blessings. Oh, thank you this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah unto his majesty. Thank you, Jesus. None like him. None like him. Oh, yeah. So listen, I found this testimony, and I wanted to share it this morning. Um, this young man, I, I believe he was in Orlando, and we heard here a few years back they had this huge shooting. Huge shooting. I mean, they was killing some people, bah, 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 letting off rounds, and he was in that. And so I want to share this this morning, and then we're coming back with the book of Genesis, chapter 41. Hallelujah. And we'll go further if we can, more than 41. So let's get started here. In Orlando, Florida, they're always popping fireworks. And so I thought, you know, I thought normal fireworks. I hear fireworks, you know, out of nowhere. And I, I look over to my friend and I tell him, man, like, that's crazy. I hear the fireworks more closer than ever. And he was like, that's strange. Like, they're really loud. And it, in that instant, I hear screaming. I hear run for your life. And I hear all kinds of shooting going on. And literally, my friend looked at me before he got shot. And he says, in Spanish, run. And I remember just going home and yelling and just in my room screaming out and saying, God, like, you must hate me. Like, I'm a gay man. I've tried to pray the gay away. I don't know what to do. Like, this is how I am. And out of nowhere, while I'm on my face on the floor, I feel a wind come into the room like never before and I feel like the Holy Spirit whispered in my ear it's not a gate of straight thing it's a lost to safety well Luis it's an honor to have you on the channel today uh, for the people who may not know you maybe have never seen you could you just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are yeah my name is Luis J Ruiz and I was born in Nuremberg, Germany, and my parents are were actually from Puerto Rico, and I am a combat army veteran. Man, Luis, like I said, it's an honor to have you here today. You have a beautiful, powerful testimony uh, that I'm really excited for people to be able to hear. Let's start with your life before Jesus. Uh, growing up, did you know about Jesus? Did you grow up in a Christian home? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so... I remember growing up, well, in a military home, we were in Germany, and so my parents, they flew from Puerto Rico to Germany, and I just remember not really hearing anything about Jesus, about God. Uh, my dad was out of, you know, he was out in the field a lot, in training, and so I remember just being around my sister a lot and my mom, and so even then just picking up their kind, their mannerisms. I remember also uh, being Catholic. We were part of the Catholic community, and so we were more Catholics like on tradition, holidays. That's when we would actually go to church, and that's all I knew about it. I remember, I think I was getting my first communion, and then after that, the Lord had actually intervened in our lives, and uh, we almost had an accident in California where we almost died as a family, and I think that's where the Lord had met my mom and dad, and from then, they well, gave... If you don't mind me asking really quick, Luis, what, what was that that happened, and what, what was that accident? Yeah, so we were on our way to Disney World, and I remember uh, on the highway, the car out of nowhere starts spinning. 
And um, I don't, if you know California, there's a lot of dips. So, like, if you actually, you know, leave the highway part, you're going to go all the way down like a mountain, sort of. And so I remember, like, it had to be an angel of the Lord that literally, like, placed us on the side of the highway right before the point of drop-off. And so my dad, I remember my dad saying, we need to find a church. We need to we need to find God. And so the Lord spared us from that. And that's when my parents gave their life to Jesus. Now we're starting to go to a Protestant church, a Pentecostal church, a Hispanic Pentecostal church. And that's when I started to learn about who Jesus was. I started to go to Sunday school. Our lives have changed because my parents went from being party animals to now they're in the church. And now we're going to church every single day. And so uh, just remembering that, you know, uh, my life was just seven days a week in the church. And so um, how was that for you going from no church to now being in church? Is that something that you really enjoyed? Like, what was that experience like for you as a kid? Yeah. So because I was such a small kid, it, it was awesome because now I was introduced to like Sunday school with a bunch of kids and, and the church family was really fun too. So, um, you know, it was a Hispanic church. So we always ate after church. We always hung out together. And so I didn't see much of a transition just that now they're not alcoholics and there's no curse words going on. And, and I mean, there was a, as a kid, that was a crazy transition for me, but you know, I was a kid. So yeah. Tell us about your life growing up and now growing up in the church, but then also being exposed to the world. Yeah. So, um, growing up, I remember that I was feeling a little different when it came to sexuality. I was starting to have butterflies when I would see attractive men on TV, and I didn't know where that was coming from. I honestly thought that I was sick, like there was something wrong with me. And so there was a lot of shame and guilt growing up. Um, so I, I come from my dad. I'm my dad's only son. And so I'm the man of the house. I'm supposed to carry the last name, bring in the grandchildren, especially in a Puerto Rican family. And so for me, that was really hard. And so from a young age, I learned to lie and deceit my parents having fake girlfriends when in reality I wanted to be with their brothers, you know, and just hiding this struggle that I have inside of me. And right now it's celebrated and it's talked more. But when I was growing up, I remember you'd get beat up at school if they even talked about it. Um, you would get, uh, I mean, they would literally treat you like a plague. And so I was so scared of that that, you know, I used to see feminine guys at school. They would, uh, you know, say that they're gay or act a certain way and they would get beat up. And so I didn't want that. And so I hid it for a long time. Like I said, I was dating girls, you know, I was doing, I was hiding it really well. And so, yeah, so I remember just uh, carrying that. And finally, my high school, uh, my senior year, I met a girl that was a lesbian and she was really cool. She was really popular. Everybody loved her. And I was just thinking to myself, I'm like, wow, like, what if that's me? Like, what if I come out the closet and instead of getting me getting beat up because I'm masculine and because I like sports and I'm different, maybe it might just change history around. And so she actually kind of almost helped me to come out of the closet. And so I remember just, I got to a point where I was so high, I was so tired of hiding this and, and, and just not being myself that I just came out. I came out and I told everybody I'm gay and I really didn't care who didn't like me or what because this is who I am. This is who I thought I was. And so in that transition, I remember 
I did get popular. And now I'm a prom king in high school. And, um, you know, everyone's like, wow, you're so different. And, and now I'm going to the gay clubs. And it's like a little kid at a candy store. And, you know, I really believe that when you train your children in the word, they'll never depart from it. And that's what I'm so thankful that my parents were always, you know, sharing the word of God with me. And so throughout, it was, that was also a struggle growing up because I knew God's word, but I also feel a certain way. And so for me, that was a wrestle. I, I didn't know how to move forward in life with this because the Bible says it's it's not only just a sin, but it's a heightened sin, you know. And and so I'm like, but this is how I feel. Like if God, you know, made me this way, I, you know, it got almost to the point where I believed that I was born this way because it came from such an early age that you know, I really did feel that I was born that way. And so um, I remember just when I didn't find answers in the church or with my family, because that wasn't really talked about, you know, the church didn't really talk about it. And I went and found answers outside, you know, and so. Uh, Louis, sorry, what was your parents' reaction as as all of this was unfolding. Yeah, so I remember actually going to college and my mom was taking me back to my dorm room and there was a lady on the radio station and she was talking super bad about the homosexual community. I mean, she was just like, they're going to hell in a handbasket and they're going to get AIDS. And I mean, we love the prostitute. We love the drug addict. But when just hearing this lady on the radio talking so bad about what I was going through, it really got me to the point where I was like, you know, very offended. And I'm telling my mom at that moment, mom, turn that off or let's, let's listen to something else. And she was just like, why? Like, this is the truth. This is the gospel. And and it got to the point where me and my mom started arguing in the car on her birthday. And I look over to her and I say, well, mom, she's talking about me. Hmm. And I remember my mom looking really sad and looked over to me and she said, it's my birthday and you had to tell me this. And I just remember her crying, crying. And I remember her saying, we can't tell your dad because it's going to break him. It's going to, you know, it, he, I don't know what he's going to do. And so I remember just going, she dropped me off and just, I'm standing there and I'm watching her cry and drive away. And that really broke my heart. And then uh, as soon as I came by the next weekend, my father already knew. So she's telling me not to say anything for no one to say anything. And my dad already knew. I remember because he didn't, know a lot and in in this conversation you know he's never really had to deal with it and so he sat me down and as a father he was just drilling me down and just you know hey you know that homosexuals are going to hell and you'll never make it in life you know he was just trying to be a father he just didn't know the best way to go about it and so for many years that caused a divide with me and my dad's relationship we we didn't talk for years we talked like really quick a quick I love you and it almost seemed like it was just checking the box and so I just remember for my parents it was a very hard place um, they became actually pastors of a church and so now they're pastoring a church and it's very difficult because I'm so out of the closet at this point I remember people knocking on my dad's, my dad's uh, office door and saying we can't have Luis hang out with the Hovenes with the youth of the church because his spirit is going to jump on our kids spirit and so you know we need him separated or you know and then they would tell him things like 
you're trying to lead us and trying to uh, be a pastor, but you can't even get your own house right. And so as a father, you know, we talk now and, and stuff, and he tells me how not just only embarrassment and shame and condemnation, but it was hard for him to lead as a pastor, as a father. He didn't know how to love me in this situation because, you know, like I said, at this at this time in life, you, they didn't really talk about it. You didn't really hear about it, actually. So a lot of pastors, a lot of parents didn't know what to do with their children. And so... Um, seeing my mom cry a lot, seeing my sister, my sister was actually the only one that really knew and she actually stood by me and she was there for me, which I'm so thankful to this day. And, but seeing my mom cry, you know, it just burned something inside of me to where I felt I needed to move. I felt like I needed to move far away from my family so that they're not hurting anymore. So they're not, you know, seeing this pain. And so that's what I did. I told him, and you know what, and all of this as, as well, I always prayed the gay away. I always tried and asked God to make me straight. You know, I, I was just like, man, like, I don't know. I, like, I just want to be straight. I Please take this away from me. Because contrary to what they tell you, there's always this pain inside. There's always this hurt. And the only one that was able to feel that is Jesus. And so I just remember it was a struggle. I would go into churches and because there were moments in time in my, you know, walking in the gay lifestyle where I was like, man, I miss church. I miss hearing worship. I just, there's something inside of the house that I couldn't find, you know, having sex with men or drugs or alcohol. And so just taking me back in, I remember churches trying to, you know, because they didn't know as well. Um, and I'm very sensitive to that because they honestly, a lot of them just don't know. It's not, you know, that they treated me bad. It's that they don't know how to do this. And so they would try to marry me off. I remember I would come to the altar, give my life to Jesus. And like the next day, they're like, look at all these girls right here. We'll marry you off. Instead of working on the root issues that I had inside, they were that for them, that was the fruit of the spirit. And it's like, no, what about what I'm going through in here, the hurt, the unmet trauma, the pain that I'm carrying. And it would scare me. I wasn't ready to commit to a girl. I didn't even know what was going on with me um, suffering with same-sex attractions that I would run back to the LGBTQ, you know. And so um, joining the army now because I thought that that would turn me into this, like, heterosexual man, and it actually made me more sexually promiscuous because even in the military there are a lot of, like, in the closet man especially when we would deploy to iraq you know all of a sudden these guys that were faithful to their wives are no longer being intimate with them and so now they go to the bros because they feel that sleeping with a guy is uh is better than cheating on your wife with a, another female that was a disaster a recipe for uh disaster the enemy knew what he was doing um i remember getting caught in Iraq, when I was deployed in Iraq, I got caught with a letter in my barracks room of a boyfriend that I was dating. And I remember they put me in, the, this is before the don't ask, don't tell policy, um, where you don't, they don't ask you and you don't tell them, but they can find out other ways. And they did by a letter. And so this was before the military had, you know, where you're now allowed to openly serve gay. This is way before that. So they put me in front of formation in front of my whole company. 
company and I just remember them saying this is not what a United States Army looks like we don't have queers or homosexuals in the army and I just remember that hurting me so much that an activist grew out of me and I got to the point where I was an activist for the LGBTQ and I was like I'm a gay man take it or leave it this is who I am and I remember just living that life. I would tell my parents, I'm never going to bring a girl home, so don't try it. I mean, I really gave into this. Like, it became my identity. It became everything that I was. And so in that, I just remember going to my parents' house and trying to get them to accept my boyfriends, trying to get them home for dinner. And my sister shares this now, so I'm, I'm able to share this. But she would bring guys home who she was sleeping with, and my parents would know it. She was allowed at the dinner table with the guy, but I wasn't allowed to bring my boyfriend home that I was sleeping with to the dinner table. So, And like I said, there was... Even in the church, like this has been something that, you know, it, it gets a lot of people and they make this sin a lot bigger than other sins. And it's okay to have heterosexual sin behind the doors, but not like homosexuals. And so it got to the point where my parents, they were very prophetic. They were, they were prayer warriors and the Holy Spirit actually, um, they got in the prayer closet one day and they said, we don't know what to do anymore, God. We have prayed. We have, we grew him up in the word. We taught him the word of God since he was a babe. Like, what do we do? And they felt the Holy Spirit tell them that release him to me. He's mine. It was one of them. And then the second one, they said, invite the boyfriends home. And they were just like, wait. We what? <laughs> that must be in the flesh. Like we can't do that. And I remember uh, they they felt like this peace because they were just like wow. Because the Lord was actually showing them in all this that Luis is not your only assignment. And so in their hearts they were just like wow. We were so selfish thinking that salvation was only for our son. And so as they started bring my, um, uh, they called me one day and they said, you know what? Go ahead, bring them home, bring them for dinner. And I'm on the phone and I'm like, oh, I'm telling my boyfriends, they're going to kill us. Like, I need you to bring a baseball bat. I need you. I don't know. Like, for them to say for us to come to dinner, that's huge. Like, I don't, I don't know how to take this right now. And so I remember bringing them home. And I kid you not, with their love and their expression of Jesus without beating people with a Bible, they were just having relationship with these guys. These guys were coming to Jesus. There was a revival happening at home to the point where I was like, you know what? I'm not bringing no more guys home. <laughs> like, I'm not bringing them home because they're coming to Jesus. Like, forget that. And so, yeah. And so, uh, fast forward, remember, like, after I got out the military, while well, I was transitioning out the military, I was drunk one night. I was in Orlando, Florida now. And I just remember going back, you know, uh, being really heavily in the LGBT just partying all the time and and it just now I'm on it I'm on like famous magazine as a masculine army man man Latino man and so now you know I'm getting popular in the Orlando gay scene everywhere and I just remember um really being drunk one night like really wasted and I was driving around and out of a sudden, I ended up in a church, and I don't know how I got there. Well, I know now, but I didn't know then, like, whoa, like, out of all the places, like, you didn't think I stopped at a gas station to get gas. No, I stopped at a church, at a, you know, and they were having worship, and they were, and I was just like, wow, it's 3 in the morning, but it sounds really cool in here. And me drunk, crazy, I walk up in there, and I get hit 
like with this wind, like this power. And I'm like, I start crying, getting emotional. And I sit down and, you know, this lady sits next to me, this little Latina lady. And she just, um, she looks at my tattoos and I'm like, oh Lord, she's about to talk about my tattoos. And she's about to like hit me with scriptures. And she just looks at me and she goes, son, you have a story to tell. Like these tattoos are amazing. I bet there's a lot of stories here. And she was just getting to the root of my heart. She wasn't like condemning me or, and I just remember in that, like I broke down and I said the prayer of salvation with her. And I just remember feeling so like, there's just like this peace on my heart that I didn't have to like right away, like get rid of things. And just that, that moment just kind of seized that moment and just say, you know, I I don't know how to do this, but I'm just going to say yes to this right now and see how it works. And that's exactly what I did. And I remember like just feeling like a weight lifted off of my chest. I felt so good. I couldn't stop smiling. And then out of nowhere, I feel the urge to delete Facebook, delete inserts. Like I literally like went ghost for a whole year. I stopped talking to friends, changed my phone number because I just felt like that was the best route to go to just stay away from my past. And so, you know, being away for a whole year, I'm going to church and, you know, just doing the God thing and, and trying to um, meet him there. And so I just remember getting a lot of like Bible knowledge. And honestly, I felt like that's what mostly it was for for me at, in that season. I remember little, little times in my life where, where I'd meet with the men in, in the church and they were really um, quick to talk about pornography issues and their lust with women and I mean they could go really in on how they were lusting for women and and breakthrough would happen but when I rose my hand and said you know what I have same-sex attractions and I struggle with gay porn I felt like a pandemic hit in the room like I was the plague like and it went from inviting me to barbecues and to go play sports with them and to hang out with them to very long distant handshakes and things like we're praying for you brother and it's like wait you were hugging me like two days ago and you were kissing me on the forehead and you told me you loved me and and so I feel like the enemy used that and I got really bitter and hard and I, I just said you know what I'm just going to do this on my own it's just me and you Jesus I remember that's what I was saying and I didn't want to share with no one and when you do things alone the enemy loves that you know and so I literally stopped having community I closed up I didn't open up to people and so that was another disaster um, another recipe of disaster for me um did your parents hear about this about this time when when you basically said you know what i'm I'm gonna go after God? yeah, they did actually um my dad was just like he felt it different, like he was like he's there, but he's not there, like something's going on. My mom was just super happy, she was excited, and you know for that whole year, like they were just like, "Wow, like God is doing something big in him, I'm just glad he's in you know in the church right now." But, you know, your mom's, your mom and dad always knows. And I remember my mom um, just getting this dream and the Lord's like using her in a prophetic in a big way. And she had this dream and she called me one day. And mind you, this is when all of a sudden I'm now quiet. I'm not in community. I'm keeping my struggles to my own. And the Lord speaks to her and says, you know, in the dream shows her, shows me at a club, at a nightclub. 
and there's blood all over my clothes and I'm running for my life. And she said, in this dream, she's looking down, looking at all this happening. And all of a sudden, I look up and I say, Mom, help me. And she instantly woke up. And I remember her calling me and telling me the dream. And I'm just laughing. And I'm like, Mom, I'm back in church trying to hide that I've been struggling for a while. I'm like, how does this woman know? <laughs> you know, and I just, uh, she was just like, no, I just really feel a heaviness on this dream. I've had many dreams, but this one, I mean, I believe she called up everybody in Texas to pray. <laughs> and so um, I remember, uh, you know, just hanging up the phone with her. And I was just like, whoa, that's crazy. Well, it's a good thing that I'm not clubbing that's what you know i felt it's a good thing that i'm not going out to the gay clubs anymore i'm at church you know and so i remember also about a couple weeks later i um there's a man a prophet that comes to our church and i'm coming home late from work and i stop at the church i sit down in the back row and i'm just there now i'm not literally i'm checking out already i'm just going to check the box that i'm going to church i'm like on my last thread I'm I'm struggling with the same sex attractions and everything that's going on and so I end up at the church he calls me to the front out of everyone, he, he says, you, you know, with the haircut like mine, he was like, come up to the front. And I come up to the front and I remember him just releasing a word and just saying, I see you in legislation. I see you with pastors that have been pastors for years, big pastors, small pastors. I see you giving wisdom and they're asking you for wisdom. I, I haven't seen this all in this revelation right now. He was like, you know, I don't know where God's going to take you, but I, I, you're in high places. You're in all types of community, just sharing strategy, strategy. And I'm like thinking to myself and I'm looking around and I'm like, he must got the wrong guy <laughs> because I don't understand no political language. I'm not in school for it. Or I don't see myself giving wisdom to pastors that have been pastors for years. And, and then in that moment, he said, but I also see you running for your life. I see that, they, that you're running and you're just, there's gunshots. And and then he asked the church to get up and lay hands on me. Later on, I find out that there were three people in the church that the Lord told them would leave the Lord, that something big was going to happen, that they would leave the Lord. And I was the third one that walked in right as he was finishing prof prophesying to the second person. And so God was after me. God was after me for a while. And so I remember just um, it was my birthday weekend and I saw two friends of mine at the mall and they invited me to go hang out at first at Gay Days and then also Pulse Nightclub. And, you know, I was struggling and I said, you know what, I'm going to go. Maybe they understand me there. And so um, when I was there, when I, I had come back to church and I remember everyone celebrating my birthday and two friends of mine were dropping me off to this hotel that I got because I just felt that I wanted to stay there for my birthday, knowing that I was actually going to go to the club and they were fighting with me in the car. I mean, it was a struggle. They wanted me to stay with them. They were just these two friends of mine um, that I lived with, actually. They were like, no, let's go downtown. We love you so much. We want to celebrate with you. Like, we want to be with you on your birthday. We don't want you to be alone because they're thinking that I'm just going to go to the hotel to be alone. 
um, because it's my birthday weekend. But in reality, I was going to go to the club, but they didn't know that. And they're fighting with me in the car. And they're just like, hey, we just feel from the Lord to be to surround you right now. We love you so much. Please let us like, you know, and in my mind, my mind's made up like I'm going out. <laughs> you know, I just to me, I'm like, no one's going to stop me. I just need to be around people that, quote unquote, understand me. And I remember just um, getting to my hotel, getting ready. A friend calls me and says, I'm going to go pick you up. They invited us to this house party. And, you know, in gay clubs, the drinks are super expensive. So what we do in Orlando is we have a pre-party before we go out to the club. And so uh, my friend had a lot of food there, had a lot of liquor. There was no reason for us to go out to the club because everything was there. And so I remember seeing my friend Angel Cologne there. And he was, you know, uh, he had came to the house and we were, you know, he approached me and he was like, I haven't seen you. Uh, Where have you been? And, you know, in a way, I felt like a little bit of embarrassment or shame to say, oh, man, like, you know, I've been in church. And so he asked me, he goes, are you going to go to Pulse tonight? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, I'll see you there. He left a little early. But um, before that, I remember all of us taking pictures um, together and just there was a struggle. Like some people did not want to go. A lot of people that are no longer with us. Um, I remember them saying like, hey, we have alcohol here. It's free. We have food here. There is no reason to go out. So like for honestly, like 30 minutes in that house, there was a struggle, and not everyone made it back. I remember getting into Uber cars, and we went to the club, and in the club, everyone was having a good time. I saw a lot of people that I haven't seen because I was gone for a year, so that was the question of the night for me. Like, where have you been? What have you done? I remember even bumping into people that I preached the gospel to which was crazy for me. And them telling me, wait, like you really convinced me. Like I was thinking about it and, but here you are. And I'm like, here I am. And so it was just, the Lord literally was on like these last few weeks and stuff. When, before I went out to the club, even at the club, I remember um, dancing and just having a good time saying hi to everybody. And then all of a sudden it was last call for alcohol. Um, mind you, um, in Orlando, Florida, they're always popping fireworks. And so I thought it, you know, I thought normal fireworks, I hear fireworks, you know, out of nowhere. And I, I look over to my friend and I tell him, man, like, that's crazy. I hear the fireworks more closer than ever. And he was like, that's strange. Like they're really loud. And it, in that instant, I hear screaming, I hear run for your life. And I hear all kinds of shooting going on. I remember at that moment, I was so stunned and because I had been drinking, it's almost like I froze up all the military training that I got when I deployed to Iraq never prepared me for a night like this. I remember just hearing the gunshots, uh, people saying, run for your life. Um, my friend jumped in front of me or jumped in front where I was at and he got shot. His boyfriend jumped in front of him and he got shot. And literally my friend looked at me before he got shot. He says in Spanish, run. And that's when I quickly reacted and I started to run. And all I see, I turn around and I see bodies on the floor, blood all over the floor. I see uh, people are running into the bathrooms. They're running into places to hide. Um, I see this door. I run out of it. 
Um, as I'm running out, people are jumping over the fence. I wasn't going to jump over the fence because it was too high. We see this place where we could kick down a fence. So me and this guy, we start kicking down the fence. We were able to kick it open. My leg gets stuck in there somehow, and it twists, and I fall to the floor. I'm in so much pain right now that I couldn't even get up. I couldn't get up, and there's a door right next to me, and it sw- it was open, and I remember just seeing the shooter and hearing the shots get closer and closer. At that moment, I only thing I knew how to do was to pick up my phone and to call my mom and dad and to say I'm sorry and to say that I love them. And I remember just picking up the phone to call my mom, And she picked up, and at the instant, imagine your mom, like, hearing late at night, and she's hearing gunshots on the phone and everything. And all of a sudden, my battery dies. And so I'm sitting there, like, I'm about to die. And I couldn't even talk to my mom and ask for forgiveness or anything. And I remember out of nowhere, this guy comes into the club, or where that area where I was at, this patio area, and he picks me up. And he walks me over to the 7-Eleven across the street. And so I remember just sitting down and hearing gunshots go off. I mean, it was just going off and off. I remember just hearing screaming for hours. I was hearing screaming. And to my mind, I'm like, where are the paramedics? Where are the police? Where is everybody? What's going on? And out of nowhere, this lady walks up and she goes, what's going on here? And I'm like, please, can you call the cops? My friends are in the club and they need help. Like, please call them. And I remember her just lifting her arm up and she started praying and then she looks at me and she tells me you're not supposed to be here and she walks away I don't even know where she went at this point and I'm just like whoa like this is crazy and I'm and and I'm still hearing you know shots going off and all of a sudden the police came and the paramedics and that whole night uh people being evacuated um out of there I remember um, the the helicopter surrounding the whole area. It was a very crazy night. Um, when I could, I was helping people in the 7-Eleven with the first aid training that I got in the military. I was able to assess the wounds, and I helped out my friend that was bleeding out because he was shot. He didn't even realize he was bleeding, and I look at him. I'm like, whoa, like there's blood all over, and we see that there's a gunshot wound. I, I get you know napkins and everything, and I assist him with first aid and help him out and you know we're just sitting there at all because we can't believe that this happened I never would have thought that my mom's dream would have came to pass I never would have thought that that could have been my last night and by the grace of God and his mercy and a praying mom and dad I really feel like the Lord was on this and that I was able to come out of there alive I remember a couple weeks after that um, well going back I remember just sitting in the hospital because I was in pain and hurting and I remember just texting friends and saying hey like did you make it out okay are you okay where are you at and then to see their names pop up on the TV screen dead 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 there was 49 people that died that night 49 of our friends that died and didn't make it out alive a lot of people that were in that party with us the pre-party didn't make it back and so I'm grieving I'm hurting I remember seeing some of the people, some of the church 
that came there. There was there was people that in the name of Christ that I don't believe had Christ at all. Um, were were throwing up signs like God made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Uh, they would say things like judgment. Yeah, that's what those homosexuals get. And so right now, like me grieving and then seeing that on TV. My heart was getting bitter. I was getting angry at the church, at the Lord. While that was happening, uh, about a couple months later, I get an email saying, hey, I need you to go check your, um, I, I need all those post survivors to go get checked. Because uh, um, unfortunately, a lot of people that died were HIV positive or had AIDS. And so I remember just because I was grieving and I was getting sick, I didn't think nothing of it. I mean, I was living a sexually promiscuous life, but I just didn't think, you know, that anything. And so I remember making the, uh, I went to the HIV clinic and I made the guy do it three times because in my head, for some ignorant reason, I was thinking that, yeah, I was a pastor's son, so I, I, I'm not going to get this. Or um, I was in the United States Army, I'm not going to get this. And, you know, just ignorant things that I was thinking. And the guy on the third round, he said, I need you to sit down. I hate this about my job, but you're HIV positive. And I remember at that moment hitting the ground crying. Because I was just like, I can't believe this is happening right now. And this, all this is happening all at once. Like, I can't believe this is happening. And I do want to say that there was a lot of people of the church that did show love, that did pray for me, that did go and pray for the post survivors, that showed God's love and mercy. And I'm so thankful for that. And I remember just going home and yelling and just in my room screaming out and saying, God, like... You must hate me. Like, I'm a gay man. I've tried to pray the gay away. I, I, I don't know what to do. Like, this is how I am. And I remember just crying and screaming the loudest I've ever screamed and cried in my whole life. And out of nowhere, while I'm on my face on the floor, I feel a wind come into the room like never before. And I feel like the Holy Spirit whispered in my ear, it's not a gay to straight thing. It's a loss to safe thing. I want all of your heart, not just your sexuality. I want you. And in that, I just broke down. And little by little, I'm starting to read the Bible again in my room. That's where I'm having church. I'm watching YouTube videos of preachers and pastors and just little because I wasn't ready to go back to the church. I wasn't ready to do that whole thing again, because I've been trying to do it like basically all of my life. And I remember the Lord just saying, now I want you to find a church where you can get discipled, where you can get mentored, you can sit under leaders that have been doing this for years. And so I said, I'm going to give it a chance again. And I ended up at a church where I'm being fathered and I'm being loved. And um, in that, I just, I remember just being in the shower and just crying out to the Lord and, and saying, man, like, these struggles don't go away. What's going on? And I don't know what to do. And how are you going to use me? You know, I'm struggling with this still. And, and, and the temptations are harder. And I don't even see you using me. And all of a sudden in the shower, like, I feel the Holy Spirit again. And he says, you haven't forgave yourself and you haven't forgave the shooter. And so there were things that the Lord was trying to meet in me and, and do before ministry, before all these things. And I remember just getting out of the shower and I felt this boldness come on me. And I said, you know what? I'm going to share my testimony. If, if that's ministry or whatever, or I'm, I'm going I'm to do that. 
And I remember just sharing my testimony. Mind you, I didn't think it was on public mode at all. And so I just think it's friends, family, church, people that know me. So I'm not, you know, with polls happening. Now they're seeing me as a hero of the LGBT community and someone that is respected and loved. And so I tried my best to not offend. I didn't want to hurt because I was so connected with the survivors. I was so connected to this community. And so for me, when I shared my testimony, I shared it in so much boldness. I couldn't even believe that I wrote that. And so I said, I'm going to hit send and I hit send and I, I shared, you know, everything that, L, that I no longer identify as LGBTQ. And, and in this, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, well, love is love. You know, they'll understand me. It's my test, my story. They love me. They accept it all. You know, this is the in the time where they're fi- fighting for the equality bill. So in my mind, I'm like, well, I'm, I fall under that, you know, so they're going to understand my story and my testimony. Everything's going to be cool. And my sister, you know, calls me and she's like, I need you to go check your social media. And I'm like, oh, no, people are I'm thinking to myself, you know, people are all from church are in the comment section because there was a lot of people that were saying you had us fooled, you know, for a whole year you were going to church. You had us fooled and we can't believe that this and that. And, and like I said, it's a lot of people that didn't understand. And so at the moment, I didn't think that I was like, oh, I, I can't believe this is happening to me right now. You know, I hate the church. That's what I was saying and I just remember looking at my social media my Facebook and it goes viral I'm talking about people I I look at it and I'm like oh my goodness it's on public and all of a sudden it just goes far I mean I'm looking at CNN NBC Fox all these news channels sharing post survivor no longer identifies as homosexual and turns to Jesus and now people like Ben Shapiro and and all these people are now sharing my story and it's going viral the LGBT community in Orlando is going crazy with this story all of a sudden like they're doing hashtags like save Luis not like that he saved but save him out of that cult what they think I was in and I just you know in that it was very very hard because for the first time I understood what persecution meant I understood that for this I would have to pay the price and carry the cross for this and that's when the Lord in his love and mercy was showing me like they left you they turned their backs on you but I didn't I'm still here with you And that's where I was starting to feel the father's love for me as an orphan that I thought I was as someone that didn't understand. And I remember just little by little learning his love for me. And so in that, it was very hard. I remember just all kind of news, all kind of entertainment. We're talking about this at this moment. You know, um, half of the church didn't know what to do with this. And so I was struggling with this for a long time all by myself. And so that's where the Lord met me, and I'm super grateful he met me there, surrounded me with other people that have come out of the lifestyle, because that's another thing. I thought I was, like, the only one, and, you know, I'm now, God, out of nowhere, there's people all around the world saying, we stand with you. Keep fighting the good fight. That was my story, too. And that wrecked me forever that, that, you know, I met. Then I find out that my friend Angel Cologne also, you know, from Pulse Nightclub gave his life to Jesus. And so that sparked the fire in me that, wow, I'm not the only one. And, and God is moving in this community. And then from there, you know, uh, getting mentored, discipled, and learning more about God, all of a sudden, I'm now speaking in communities. I'm speaking in 
colleges. I'm going in political arenas, just like the prophetic word. I never thought now I'm where legislation is saying that we are fighting for equality bill. Everything's equal as long as I don't share my story. So there's no equal, equal in equality. You know, things like uh, love is love until you decide that your message is different Then all of a sudden love is war. And so learning just like to stand with God and him standing with me and just leaning on him, really surrendering my struggles, my identity to him. Because I, like I said earlier, I was trying to pray the gay way. And, that, and I do want to emphasize that there's power in prayer. There's power in the name of Jesus. But I was making that almost a God. Like, that was my only thing. I was, turn me straight, turn me straight. And it's like, wait, you're a hot mess. There's a lot going on in your life that I want you to surrender to. There are places in your life where it has not met Jesus yet, and I want to meet you there. And so um, I had to surrender that. I had to give that to the Lord. And in that, he not only just changed my desires, but they actually became his desires. And so longer my ways of how I thought my way became his ways. And so now he was the best leader as what identity means. Jesus was the best. He represented identity more than anything because the father represents identity. And I just, you know, even in the word, like Moses was an example when he asked, who do I say, send me, send me. And God says, tell them the I am sent me and that that was just a big moment where God shows his identity and then Jesus says let them know that I am the truth I am the way and I am the light so in this he's saying I am so now he's teaching me how to walk into my identity as a man and now I'm so thankful that he created me as a man I know society right now doesn't understand what a man or a woman is and I'm so thankful that he walked me into that and that I love being not only just a man but a king kingdom masculine man after his heart and so just just it's been such an amazing experience walk with the lord the temptations go away absolutely not but I, now i have the weapons now i get to put on the armor of christ and get to fight the good fight and that actually build character you know that produces a love for me to know that i'm never alone man I didn't mean to start preaching, but no. <laughs> no, thank you, man. How did your uh, and I want to bring this back, right? Like your parents, you know, they've they've been praying for you, they've been patient, and at some point were even impatient, right? But as this transformation is happening in your life, and even through the tragedy, um, what was their reaction? Your family. How did they react to to all of this that that was happening? Yeah, so um, I remember when uh, my mom hangs up the phone, and this was really really hard because she was remembering the dream that she had, and now to see that it become a reality, and all she heard was gunshots. I just remember my sister the next day getting on a plane with zero money in her account, which is another supernatural move from God. And then my parents flew over and they were with me in the time of grieving, the time of hurt and pain. And they prayed for others, other friends of mine. And for them, they just, they could have went straight to, this is what the dream was. And this was what God was telling and, and you know, God's calling. And, but they decided to show love. 
they decided they decided to embrace me with hugs. My mom slept right next to me till I went to bed because I couldn't sleep. I, I was thinking that he was going to come for me or I was having bad nightmares for days and my sister being with me and they never left me, you know. And, and so um, for them, that was a moment where they were where they they were able to seize that moment in love. That really was a lot of healing for me. But at the same time, now that the Lord's doing stuff with me and, and, and I'm moving in a different direction, they're seeing God's finger on me. And God literally like tells my dad, now I, I, I know you've been faithful in pastoring. I know that you have a church of like almost seven churches that you lead here in El Paso, Texas. But I want you to give that up and I want you to fly down and be a part of what Luis is doing in his ministry. I want the family unit to be together. And so without no thought or anything, he said, you know what, I'm going to trust God in this. And they left it all and they moved to Orlando, Florida to be a part of what God was doing in my life and ministry. And they've been super supportive in prayer, um, you know, advising and counseling me and correcting me. And, and so but it's been such a beautiful journey that what the enemy meant for harm to destroy our family, God has reunited the family group together. And even with my dad and, and me, our relationship has gotten so much better. I find out later on that my father was abused as a child and by neighbors. And so because of that, he didn't know how to love me or, uh, I mean, he loved me, but he didn't know how to show me enough emotions just because in his heart. He felt that if he gave in too much to that, that I would become gay. And so there was a lot of unmet trauma that he was carrying that he didn't know how to deal with. And so as a father that, you know, that was really hard for us, you know, as his only son. And so um, we got to heal in that. Now we get to like preach tag team as a father and a son. We get to share both sides of that healing process. And it's so beautiful. Um, there's, you know, we've, we've asked for forgiveness, the power of forgiveness, like really set my family on this path of recovery and wholeness as a family. And so even like, I just, I know that the Lord is using that now, even to restore a fatherless generation, people that have not grown up with their fathers and that don't know their fathers or, you know, even fathers that have been present, but emotionally haven't been present. And so in this moment, I think in this hour, God is raising up a rainbow revival that will throw Jezebel off the roof again. I really think that people are surrendering their identity and, and walking into sonship and walking into the becoming sons and daughters and he's raising up fathers fathers that will will come beside this people group, you know, this rainbow revival and start fathering them. And I really believe that that's what our nation needs right now is the healing from a fatherless generation. Hmm. Luis, I there's a lot of people that came there's a, a lot of people that came out of that tragedy alive. And uh and many didn't come to the Lord. And some did. You dealt with PTSD. I'm sure others dealt with PTSD. How did the Lord help you in that, in, in the healing from that? Are you still, is that something that's still present in your life? I'm curious to hear about 
what yeah. God has done in that area? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, yeah, so there was a lot of PTSD, and like I said, I was getting nightmares. Uh, my parents had brought me to SeaWorld one time, and fireworks went off, and I literally crawled into a ball on the floor because I heard the fireworks, and I, I started freaking out. But in my process, um, there's a Bible verse that talks about, like, you overcome by the blood of the lamb and the words of your testimony. And I think it's super powerful because literally every time I got spreading the love worldwide, www.jesusinthemorningradio.com. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His graces? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood? In the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white? The blood of the Lamb. Lay aside the garments that are stained with sin and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. There's a fountain flowing for the soul unclean. Oh, be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Are you washed in the blood? In the soul cleansing blood of the Lamb. Are you garments? Spotless are they white as snow Are you what in the blood of the Lamb? Some glad morning when this life is over I'll fly away to a home on God's celestial shore
chapter 41. And it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed, and behold, he stood by the river. And behold, there came up out of the river seven well-favored kine and fat-fleshed, and they fed in a meadow. And behold, seven other kine came up after them out of the river, ill-favored and lean-fleshed, and stood by the other kine upon the brink of the river. And the ill-favored and lean-fleshed kine did eat up the seven well-favored and fat kine. So Pharaoh awoke, and he slept and dreamed the second time. And behold, seven ears of corn came up upon one stalk, rank and good. And behold, seven thin ears, and blasted with the east wind, sprung up after them. And the seven thin ears devoured the seven rank and full ears. And Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. And it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt, and all the wise men thereof. And Pharaoh told them his dream, but there was none that could interpret them unto Pharaoh. Then spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh, saying, I do remember my faults this day. Pharaoh was wroth with his servants, and put me in ward in the captain of the guard's house, both me and the chief baker. And we dreamed a dream in one night, I and he. We dreamed each man according to the interpretation of his dream. And there was there with us a young man, an Hebrew, servant to the captain of the guard. And we told him, and he interpreted to us our dreams. To each man according to his dream he did interpret. And it came to pass, as he interpreted to us, so it was. Me he restored unto mine office, and him he hanged. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon. And he shaved himself, and changed his raiment, and came in unto Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret it. And I have heard say of thee, that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, it is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, In my dream, behold, I stood upon the bank of the river. And behold, there came up out of the river seven kine, fat-fleshed and well-favored, and they fed in a meadow. And behold, seven other kine came up after them, poor and very ill-favored and lean-fleshed, such as I never saw in all the land of Egypt for badness. And the lean and the ill-favored kind did eat up the first seven fat kind. And when they had eaten them up, it could not be known that they had eaten them. But they were still ill-favored as at the beginning. So I awoke. And I saw in my dream, and behold, seven ears came up in one stalk, full and good. And behold, seven ears withered thin and blasted with the east wind sprung up after them. And the thin ears devoured the seven good ears. And I told this unto the magicians, but there was none that could declare it to me. And Joseph said unto Pharaoh, The dream of Pharaoh is one. God hath shewed Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good kine are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years. The dream is one. And the seven thin and ill-favored kind that came up after them are seven years, and the seven empty ears blasted with the east wind shall be seven years of famine. This is the thing which I have spoken unto Pharaoh. What God is about to do, he sheweth unto Pharaoh. Behold, there come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt, and there shall arise after them seven years of famine, and all the plenty shall be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine shall consume the land, and the plenty shall not be known in the land by reason of that famine following, for it shall be very grievous. And for that the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice. It is because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. 
Now therefore let Pharaoh look out a man discreet and wise, and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this, and let him appoint officers over the land, and take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous years. And let them gather all the food of those good years that come, and lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh, and let them keep food in the cities. And that food shall be for store to the land against the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land perish not through the famine. And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh, and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this is, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, Forasmuch as God hath shewed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand, and put it upon Joseph's hand, and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen, and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him to ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried before him, Bow the knee and he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without thee shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name zaphnath Paaniah, and he gave him to wife Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On. And Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. And Joseph was thirty years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh, and went throughout all the land of Egypt. And in the seven plenteous years the earth brought forth by handfuls. And he gathered up all the food of the seven years which were in the land of Egypt, and laid up the food in the cities. The food of the field which was round about every city laid he up in the same. And Joseph gathered corn, as the sand of the sea, very much, until he left numbering, for it was without number. And unto Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came, which Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, bare unto him. And Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, for God said he hath made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. And the name of the second called he Ephraim, for God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. And the seven years of plenteousness that was in the land of Egypt were ended. And the seven years of dearth began to come, according as Joseph had said. And the dearth was in all lands, but in all the land of Egypt there was bread. And when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. And Pharaoh said unto all the Egyptians, Go unto Joseph, what he saith to you, do. And the famine was over all the face of the earth. And Joseph opened all the storehouses, and sold unto the Egyptians, and the famine waxed sore in the land of Egypt. And all countries came into Egypt to Joseph for to buy corn, because that the famine was so sore in all lands. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I look at this. Oh, we was on 42. I, I, I should have went back to 41, I'm sorry. Listen, and and... I was reading 41, and I hope I played 41. But Joseph had many, many problems, if we remember. We remember the coat of many colors. We remember the brothers was jealous of him because the dad loved him more. And then the dad made this coat for him, and the coat had different colors in it. 
Well, the brothers went to uh, shear sheep or whatever, and they took a while. So the dad sent the youngest son because Joseph was the baby, and he got Joseph in his older years. And I'm assuming he felt like this it. I won't have no more kids. I'm going to love this boy right here. But he sent the baby, Joseph, down there to check on the older brothers. And when they saw, he asked the man where he was. And then, you know, he found out where they were. And then when they saw him coming, he said, they said, here come that dreamer. <laughs> here come the dreamer. Because Joseph had dreams that he was going to be a ruler and that he would rule over his dad, his mom, and his brothers. And so the brothers got upset over that thing. You're not going to rule over us, Joseph. What is wrong with you? And then the dad, the same way, you, you, you're going to rule over me and your mother and your brothers? Oh, I don't know about that, Joseph. But the dad watched. He continued to watch because he knew it was something to it. He just couldn't quite figure it all out, I assume. So we know that he was sold, ended up in Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife uh, tried to molest him or, or, or what they call the thing, turn him on or whatever. He wasn't going for that. So she lied on him. She tried to get him to lay with her and all of that, and he, she grabbed hold of him, so he came out his coat. And so she took the coat, lied and said that he tried to attack her, and he, he left his coat. Potiphar's got angry. I mean real mad. Put him in prison. In Pharaoh's prison where Pharaoh's servant is locked up. And God made him ruler over that, gave him favor. Yeah. Then the butler and the baker came, and they had dreams. He interpreted the dream for both. But he told the butler uh, that Pharaoh would restore him. He told the baker that he was going to die. Pharaoh was going to kill him. And he told the butler, remember me now. When you come back before Pharaoh, remember I interpreted this dream. If I'm not mistaken, I think it said around two years or so uh, that the butler had forgotten Pharaoh. Because how many know sometimes when you're being replaced, when you put back in the position you was, which was a good position, and you're not going to lose your life, but the person over here on the right lost their life, hey, you'll forget many things. And I think he forgot that Joseph blessed him with interpretation. But anyway, Pharaoh had a dream. And it got the butler members because Pharaoh needed somebody who could interpret the dream. So he finally told him about Joseph and they got Joseph and cleaned him up and everything and brought him before Pharaoh and Pharaoh told him the dream and he interpreted the dream. Well, as it ended up, Joseph ended up being over everything. The next person that was uh, higher than him was Pharaoh, the king. He was the only one higher than Joseph was in the land. So Joseph went through trials, great trials. But even in the midst of his trials, God was turning things around for him. God was blessing him. And at the end of his trial, God brought him in a place of authority, great authority, right next to the king. 
And sometimes we go through, sometimes we really go through bad things. And it's a trial. God is, is allowing us to go through some things so he can teach us. Whenever there's a trial, there's a lesson that, that he's teaching us something. And many times we don't think to ask God, Lord, give me the lesson out the trial. Teach me, Lord what this trial is about because we squirming and, 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 and fighting and kicking to come out of the trial. But the trial comes to make us strong because that next trial is going to be a little rougher than the trial you're going through right now. Yeah. But if we pray not to come out the trial, but again, for the lesson, Lord, what are you trying to teach me? Open up my understanding so that I can learn what you're teaching me. Yeah. And what happens is this. You soon find out that the trial was a good thing. Had you not gone through that trial, you wouldn't know what to do in your Christian walk, in your believing walk with God. But he put Joseph over everything. Now, Brother Lewis, we'll go to 42. (laughs) Yeah. Chapter 42. Now, when Jacob saw that there was corn in Egypt, Jacob said unto his sons, Why do ye look one upon another? And he said, Behold, I have heard that there is corn in Egypt. Get you down thither, and buy for us from thence, that we may live and not die. And Joseph's ten brethren went down to buy corn in Egypt. But Benjamin, Joseph's brother, Jacob sat not with his brethren, for he said, Lest peradventure mischief befall him. And the sons of Israel came to buy corn among those that came, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. And Joseph was the governor over the land, and he it was that sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brethren came and bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the earth. And Joseph saw his brethren, and he knew them, but made himself strange unto them, and spake roughly unto them. And he said unto them, Whence come ye? And they said, From the land of Canaan, to buy food. And Joseph knew his brethren, but they knew not him. And Joseph remembered the dreams which he dreamed of them, and said unto them, Ye are spies, to see the nakedness of the land ye are come. And they said unto him, Nay, my lord, but to buy food are thy servants come. We are all one man's sons, we are true men, thy servants are no spies. And he said unto them, Nay, but to see the nakedness of the land ye are come. And they said, Thy servants are twelve brethren, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And behold, the youngest is this day with our father, and one is not. And Joseph said unto them, That is it that I spake unto you, saying, Ye are spies. Hereby ye shall be proved. By the life of Pharaoh ye shall not go forth hence, except your youngest brother come hither. Send one of you, and let him fetch your brother, and ye shall be kept in prison, that your words may be proved, whether there be any truth in you, or else by the life of Pharaoh surely ye are spies. And he put them all together into ward three days. And Joseph said unto them the third day, This do, and live, for I fear God. If ye be true men, let one of your brethren be bound in the house of your prison. Go ye, carry corn for the famine of your houses, but bring your youngest brother unto me, so shall your words be verified, and ye shall not die. And they did so. 
And they said one to another, We are verily guilty concerning our brother, in that we saw the anguish of his soul when he besought us, and we would not hear. Therefore is this distress come upon us. And Reuben answered them, saying, Spake I not unto you, saying, Do not sin against the child? And you would not hear. Therefore, behold, also his blood is required. And they knew not that Joseph understood them, for he spake unto them by an interpreter. And he turned himself about from them and wept, and returned to them again, and communed with them, and took from them Simeon, and bound him before their eyes. Then Joseph commanded to fill their sacks with corn, and to restore every man's money into his sack, and to give them provision for the way, and thus did he unto them. And they laded their asses with the corn, and departed thence. And as one of them opened his sack, and give his ass provender in the inn, he spied his money, for behold, it was in his sack's mouth. And he said unto his brethren, My money is restored, and lo, it is even in my sack. And their heart failed them, and they were afraid, saying one to another, What is this that God hath done unto us? And they came unto Jacob their father, unto the land of Canaan, and told him all that befell unto them, saying, The man who is the Lord of the land spake roughly to us, and took us for spies of the country. And we said unto him, We are true men, we are no spies. We be twelve brethren, sons of our father. One is not, and the youngest is this day with our father in the land of Canaan. And the man, the Lord of the country, said unto us, Hereby shall I know that ye are true men. Leave one of your brethren here with me, and take food for the famine of your households, and be gone. And bring your youngest brother unto me. Then shall I know that ye are no spies, but that ye are true men. So will I deliver you, your brother, and ye shall traffic in the land. And it came to pass, as they emptied their sacks, that, behold, every man's bundle of money was in his sack. And when both they and their father saw the bundles of money, they were afraid. And Jacob their father said unto them, Me have ye bereaved of my children. Joseph is not, and Simeon is not, and ye will take Benjamin away. All these things are against me. And Reuben spake unto his father, saying, Slay my two sons, if I bring him not to thee. Deliver him into my hand, and I will bring him to thee again. And he said, My son shall not go down with you, for his brother is dead, and he is left alone. If mischief befall him by the way in the which ye go, then shall ye bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. Yes, sir, and yes, ma'am. Joseph, Joseph is in charge. And uh, when he saw his brothers, he was happy, very happy to see them, but he had to do some things and uh, put a little stress on them. Yeah. But look what happened. Look what happened. He had one brother, told, told him to bring the youngest boy. And until then, you can't get this brother that you left behind. But bring that youngest boy and you're going to get your, this brother that I'm holding. Yeah. But God is faithful to us. God is, sometimes we go through things and we don't understand why. And sometimes it's not for us to ask the question, why? Sometimes it's time to pray, Father God, in the name of Jesus, strengthen me. I know you heard the song. I know I know the older sisters and brothers heard the song. Lord, don't move my mountain. 
Just give me the strength to climb. Don't take away the stumbling block. Just lead me all around. Yeah, he did play some tricks on them, Brother Lewis, and they didn't understand. It, it put fear in them, so that was a little stress. Yeah. But anyway, that's what we pray for strength. Not to bring me out to trial and I'm fighting and kicking and wiggling. No, Lord, give me the strength to endure this trial and teach me because it's going to bless us. In the end of all of that Joseph went through, look where he ended up, right next to the king. You couldn't get no higher than Joseph. Only the king was next. And then look, when it came to his family, his brothers, his dad, he was able to feed them and give them their money back. Yes, the dad didn't have to buy food because the son was in line right next to the king. Yeah. I think we got a little time, so let's go on to 43. Chapter 43. And the famine was sore in the land, and it came to pass when they had eaten up the corn which they had brought out of Egypt, their father said unto them, Go again, buy us a little food. And Judah spake unto him, saying, The man did solemnly protest unto us, saying, Ye shall not see my face, except your brother be with you. If thou wilt send our brother with us, we will go down and buy thee food. But if thou wilt not send him, we will not go down. For the man said unto us, Ye shall not see my face, except your brother be with you. And Israel said, Wherefore dealt ye so ill with me as to tell the man whether ye had yet a brother? And they said, The man asked us straightly of our state and of our kindred, saying, Is your father yet alive? Have ye another brother? And we told him according to the tenor of these words. Could we certainly know that he would say, Bring your brother down? And Judah said unto Israel his father, Send the lad with me, and we will arise and go, that we may live and not die, both we and thou, and also our little ones. I will be surety for him, of my hand shalt thou require him. If I bring him not unto thee, and set him before thee, then let me bear the blame for ever. For except we had lingered, surely now we had returned this second time. And their father Israel said unto them, If it must be so now, do this. Take of the best fruits in the land in your vessels, and carry down the man a present, a little balm, and a little honey, spices and myrrh, nuts and almonds, and take double money in your hand, and the money that was brought again in the mouth of your sacks, carry it again in your hand, peradventure it was an oversight. Take also your brother, and arise, go again unto the man. And God Almighty give you mercy before the man, that he may send away your other brother and Benjamin. If I be bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. And the men took that present, and they took double money in their hand, and Benjamin, and rose up and went down to Egypt and stood before Joseph. And when Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the ruler of his house, Bring these men home, and slay, and make ready, for these men shall dine with me at noon. And the man did as Joseph bade, and the man brought the men into Joseph's house. And the men were afraid because they were brought into Joseph's house, and they said, Because of the money that was returned in our sacks at the first time are we brought in, that he may seek occasion against us, and fall upon us, and take us for bondmen and our asses. 
And they came near to the steward of Joseph's house, and they communed with him at the door of the house, and said, O sir, we came indeed down at the first time to buy food, and it came to pass, when we came to the inn, that we opened our sacks, and behold, every man's money was in the mouth of his sack, our money in full weight, and we have brought it again in our hand. And other money have we brought down in our hands to buy food. We cannot tell who put our money in our sacks. And he said, Peace be to you, fear not. Your God and the God of your father hath given you treasure in your sacks. I had your money. And he brought Simeon out unto them. And the man brought the men into Joseph's house, and gave them water. And they washed their feet, and he gave their asses provender. And they made ready the present against Joseph came at noon, for they heard that they should eat bread there. And when Joseph came home, they brought him the present which was in their hand into the house, and bowed themselves to him to the earth. And he asked them of their welfare, and said, Is your father well, the old man of whom ye spake? Is he yet alive? And they answered, Thy servant our father is in good health, he is yet alive. And they bowed down their heads and made obeisance. And he lifted up his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, and said, Is this your younger brother, of whom ye spake unto me? And he said, God be gracious unto thee, my son. And Joseph made haste, for his bowels did yearn upon his brother. And he sought where to weep, and he entered into his chamber and wept there. And he washed his face, and went out, and refrained himself, and said, Set on bread. And they set on for him by himself, and for them by themselves, and for the Egyptians which did eat with him by themselves, because the Egyptians might not eat bread with the Hebrews, for that is an abomination unto the Egyptians. And they sat before him, the firstborn according to his birthright, and the youngest according to his youth, and the men marveled one at another. And he took and sent messes unto them from before him. But Benjamin's mess was five times so much as any of theirs. And they drank and were merry with him. All right, so he got them at the house now. <laughs> the same brothers, and he put the money back in their sack and all of this kind of thing. So he got them at the house. And um, let's see what time it is. Okay. We're we going to finish this up tomorrow. And, and if I bring a testimony, I try not to bring such a long testimony so that we can... Uh, see what the results results are going to be for Joseph and his family. Yeah. And uh, I know that God is able, and, and a lot of times we go through and look like it's such a long time. Oh, Lord, it's been five years already. I'm still going. Oh, it's 10 years. I'm still going through. People in prison that received God sometime before they went in. And got in there and had to wait and wait and wait and wait. And a lot of times when they look, 15 years has gone by. Well, they had a 25-year life sentence. or I mean, a 25-year sentence or a life sentence. Some of them was on death row. And they just knew that these people were going to uh, prosecute them to the fullest. Yeah, they would die death row. They would bring them out to cell and kill them. Kill them. <laughs> Sometime waiting them 10 years, you've gone through a lot. Sometimes you didn't have family to back you up, support you. 
You had to do what you had to do to the best of your ability to survive because there were some things you need and there were needed and there were some things you wanted. Yeah. So you had to find your side hustle in prison. Yeah. So I know God is able and he will see us through, but we just have to endure. So now 10 years. And they turned the key. You had 25. You, you had really 15 more years to do. But at 10 years, they turned the key. Because within that 10 years, you learned God. Within that 10 years, you found God. But he knew where you was, but you had to find him for yourself. And guess what? Sometimes God has done things. Let's say on the 10-year center, somebody do. God has done things in your family. That when you get out, you you was able to contribute to the blessing that was already there. So your family become popular, if you want, if you want to call it. They they become savvy. They have money. So when you came out, they remembered you, and they brought you in. And like I said, you had some savviness, savageness about savviness, savviness. Excuse me, about some things that enhanced what your family was doing. Nothing illegal. And God bless y'all. Oh, yeah. And then we're going to get to see uh, where Moses come from. We're going to get to see how all of that started. Yeah. Because after this book, we've been through the book of Exodus. We just might do a little bit of refreshing and, and keep it moving to the next book. Yeah. Because the next book after um, Exodus would be Leviticus. So we might be able to move on through there as well. I wanted to do something that helped refresh our memories, some things we've forgotten, and we'll remember going through these books. Yeah, God is faithful. Hallelujah. And we thank him. We thank him. So listen, um, I think we'll wait until tomorrow. And we'll do uh, Genesis 44 and go forward. And I'll start early tomorrow so we won't be uh, interrupted and I will have to, you know, kind of cut it short. Yeah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So, look, uh, we're going to open up the studio. If anyone has something they would like to say, please feel free to press that number one and come in. I'm going to this song. And uh, we'll wait to see if
all day long. Jesus in the Morning Radio with Barbara. Hallelujah. That's that Brooklyn. <laughs> Brooklyn Tabernacle. Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. And uh, they're sung, singing Psalms 34. And uh, I wanted to announce this today. Um, I met a sister in Christ. She's a minister, too, at the Fourth Sunday Fellowship. And she gave me her business card, and she said, I'm a mobile notary. And do a little advertising for me, in other words. I said, okay, okay, I will. Her name is Bella D. And the name of her company is Bella D. Mobile Notary, LLC. Her phone number, if you're in the Jacksonville area, 904-994-0734. Again, her phone number is 904-994-0734. So if you need uh, any type of notary done, papers notarized, you know, uh, feel free. If your business needs papers notarized, feel free to call Bella D. And uh, she would be more than happy uh, to come over and take care of your mobile needs. I mean, your, your, your notary needs, not mobile, but notary. And uh, she will come to you. So that's a beautiful thing. I, when I did notary, I used to do that too. I used to go to people. And uh, there's a little extra charge on it, but not much, not much back during that time. And... Um, I thought about doing it again, but I said, oh, no, 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 you, you've done enough. <laughs> yeah, because I, you make money at it. Now, you really do. So if you're thinking about becoming a notary, look into it for your state, your city. Yeah. And it's already all right today in the name of Jesus. So the studio is open. Uh, if anyone has something they would like to say, please feel free to press that number one and come in. Good morning to you. 907 first uh, area code god bless you this morning good morning to you sister rita god bless you and sister jerry and uh sister samoa my goddaughter laura good morning to you sometimes i have to think of them the area codes are the same but the phone numbers are different so i have to remember is this laura is this samoa yeah good morning to you pastor david god bless you this morning and good morning to you, Minister Shonda. Good morning to you, uh, area code 4434. First three numbers, 872. God bless you this morning. And Sister Irene, God bless you. And Sister Dorothy Goodman, good morning, good morning. And God bless you. God bless each and every one. And to the main man holding that chat room together and down this morning, none other than Brother Louis. <laughs> morning to you, Brother Louis. God bless you today. God bless you. And uh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Wait a minute. Did I see Sion anywhere? Because, you know, she come to help me preach this right here, whatever it is. <laughs> and I think she's at work today. But God bless you, Sion. Thank God for you that I didn't get the morning text. She usually uh, send me a message in the morning. Good morning, Jesus lady. All that tickled me so bad. <laughs> And I will tell y'all exactly where she got it from. Her husband, Pastor David Jackson. Yes, she did get it from him. Yeah, he called me the Jesus lady. And he and he's my buddy. Yeah. And so she uh she 
she knows gonna make me laugh. And so that's what she said. Good morning, Jesus lady. Yes, sir. Thank you so much again, Brother Lewis. He said, my pleasure. Yes, sir. So we thank God this morning. We give him glory. We give him honor. And we give him praise. And uh, we may just get out of here a little early. I don't know today. I don't know. But we may get out of here. But we got a whole hour almost. And I could have went on to 43. and I, I mean, 44. And kind of finished that up a little bit. And then we would have been ready for 45. But we're not in a rush. We're not in a, a, a rush. Uh, we want to, you know, learn as we go through the word of God. And like I said, a lot of times we've read this. Several times we may have read it. Many times we may have read it because it's the book of Genesis. When we finish Revelation, we go back to Genesis and start over again. And then sometimes God will pull us out because he'll pull um, certain scriptures uh, from his inspired written words. Yeah, he'll pull scriptures. He might take us over to uh, Matthew chapter 5. He might take us over to James chapter 1. Of Second Peter chapter one, you know, it, it's no telling. He may take us to the book of Acts. I love them Acts. I love that book of Acts. I love the book of John. I love the Bible, but just certain uh, books help you understand better and bring you into a place uh, with God where you know only He can do this. Yeah, only He can give you wisdom and understanding. And when I look at that book of Acts in that first chapter, down on that fourth verse, Jesus is talking. Yeah, in the fifth verse. Yeah, and then he come back in the seventh verse and the eighth verse and he had more to say. Yeah, so I pay close attention to, I try, when he's speaking. They put it in red so you'll know this is Jesus speaking. Yeah. So if I read Acts chapter 1, just just down to, let's just say down to verse 6. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up. After that, he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, whom he had chosen. Yeah, he gave commandments to them, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Yeah, it reminds me what a preacher said Sunday, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Mm-hmm. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which said he, ye have heard of me. Yeah, because he told them, he had to go away, but God was not going to leave them comfortless. He was going to send them a comforter, which was the Holy Ghost. Yeah. And being assembled together with them, with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which said he, ye have heard of me. I've got to hit John 5 right quick. But John truly baptized with water 
I mean, chapter, uh, verse 5, I'm sorry. But John 2, the baptized with water. But ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. So what that means, not many days now, they was going to be uh, baptized with the Holy Ghost. Can I go just a little bit further? Verse 6, when they therefore will come together, they ask of him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. And see, that's just the natural people. That, that's, just, that's the natural of people. Lord, when you're coming back, he said, we know not a day, we know not the day nor the hour. And here he's letting them know, only the Father know this. And see, if we living right, and we getting it right, we believing right, we doing what's right, guess what? It don't matter when he come back. We just want to be ready when he comes. We want to have our whole wedding gear on. We don't want to have to look for shoes and women. We look for the purse and the veil and the dress. Men looking for the tap tree. Now, the, the Stacey Adam Black shoe. Now, we're not looking for that. Or whatever shoe color shoe the man's on. We, we don't want to be looking for that. We want to have our garments in place and we dress when the bridegroom comes. When Jesus show up, we want to be ready. Hold up, Lord. Let me go get my hat. No, nope, you ain't got to go through that. I'm fully dressed, head to toe, shoe to the hat, to the veil. I'm fully dressed. I'm ready to go in and be married. Yeah. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. This is why I love that book of Acts 2. The apostles had to go out. And I know sometimes we think, well, I'm not an apostle. I don't have to go. And then some people calling themselves apostles they ain't went nowhere, but right there where they live. But he sent them out in twos. And they had to go. Yeah. So he let, he let us know we're going to get power. And after that, the Holy Ghost has come upon us. You're going to receive power first. Isn't that something? Then the Spirit of God can come. My goodness. Oh, I love that book of Acts. Yeah. Because he's going to teach us about the body of Christ and Stephen in there. Anybody remember Stephen, that evangelist that they stoned? Yeah. All of that is in the book of Acts. And I'm watching it on TV. I've been watching it for a while, though, but I'm watching it again on TV. Because I decide to turn, sometimes people recommend a movie. Go watch this and tell me what you think. And sometimes it's a circular movement, you know, a, a movie of the world. And I can see in there this is plain... Uh, they don't know God. 
Good morning, Miss Fionn. <laughs> yeah, they can see just as plain. I mean, I can see just as plain. God is not in there. He's nowhere near. But it's the way of the world. We're in the world, but we're not supposed to be of the world. We're just passing through. This is our workstation. We work down here. And one day we'll clock out for the last time. We won't ever have to come back and work again. Because we're going to take our rest. Now, after the rest, when he call your name, the trumpet sound, he call your name. Or if you're coming back with him to judge the world. It's a lot to consider. Yeah, my pastor said it Sunday. I, all I could do is just look at it, consider the whole matter. Because I don't hear too many people talk about that. But he talked about it a little bit on Sunday. And y'all know that 12... And 11 and 12 and 12, you know that, that's my favorite, one of my favorite scriptures, like Proverbs 3, 5 through 7. Yeah. But we're waiting on the Lord. And he's given us a lot of time to prep, to make preparations to see him. Preparation. He's given us a lot of time that we can consider where we are, we can take self-inventory. And if we find anything that shouldn't be, then we go to the Lord and ask him, take this out. Take this out of me. Lord, I want to get it right with you. I want to be ready when you come. See, we got to be reminded. And I love to be constantly reminded that he's coming back because this is what's going to happen. If you're not ready, you can't go. I was looking at Jesus as he was speaking parables, and they didn't get it. When he first come out and he was talking, uh, the Pharisees, Sadducees, all these people were there. With the whoop you do on, you know, they, 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 how they dress all up, you know. And the people wear the, 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 the dress shirts with the white collar and all of that, you know. So people know who you are from everybody else. Now, I don't have to dress to impress so that you'll know I'm a preacher. I'm going to tell you what I have to do. I got to live a life that's pleasing unto the Lord. I got to be in him and he in me. I wasn't feeling very well Sunday. Went on up in there and praised him and everything. Started feeling much better. And I'm telling you, God was in complete control. Because I couldn't do nothing. Yeah. He was in complete control. And I thank him today. I give him glory. I give him the honor. And I give him the praise. Thankful unto him. Because without him, we can do nothing. You have not today because you ask not. Yeah. You don't have because you don't ask. I've had people say, I don't pray for money. I don't ask God for nothing. Well, how are you making it? It's just his grace and his goodness <laughs> that he's blessing you. But these people many times go through many different things. Ooh, 
Because without him, you can do nothing. What you doing without God? And they want to do God's job. They don't leave him nothing to do. Because they're doing everything. They're waking themselves up in the morning. Huh? They're taking themselves to work. They're doing a good job on the job. Where's God? When something happened, they run and try to fix it. Well, where, 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 did you leave anything for the Lord? God Jr.? <laughs> yeah, I'm like my murder. God Jr. Because they want to do everything for themselves. But that is that uh, proudness of man, I'm going to call They Man's so proud. And he do it this way, and he does it that way. And what the, uh, let me tell you something. Without God, we can do nothing. I know y'all hear me say it every day. It sounds like a figure of speech, but it is the absolute truth. You cannot wake yourself up in the morning. You can't get started on your way without him. You can't move unless he continues to allow you and touch so that you can have your being, so that you can breathe, so that you can live, so that you can walk, talk, hear, see. But the way God do things, it's like he's done nothing. And I know that's the way it appears to people. Because you don't feel him and you don't see a man following you around. But do you know God follows you around? His eyes are in every place. Again, this morning, he's beholding the evil and the good. <laughs> he starts your day off. He wakes us up. The sun come out. Daylight comes because of God. At night, it, 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 after 8.30 here, I think of maybe a quarter to nine, it starts to get dark. That's God. And as it get dark, he, he's the one that allowed the moon to come out. No man back there with a burning bush, a brush. No man is pushing the moon out at night. <laughs> yeah, I done heard some, some weird stuff. Nobody but you, Lord. Nobody but you. Keep the water from the land so I could drive up and down the street. Anytime I get ready to go anywhere I want to go, I can leave from here and drive all the way to Alabama today with no problem. No no water uh, uh, coming to wash I-75 out, I-10 out, 480, no, no, what? No I-20, no water's coming to wash that out. Because God is holding the water back from the land. It's a lot of things we take for granted. We don't even think about. We just keep going. The seasons keep changing. We're in summer right now. Soon we'll be in fall. But God got to turn summer into fall and fall into winter and winter into spring. Only God can do this. We just see it happening. The seasons bring about a change in the land. This time of year, everything is nice and green. The grass, the leaves, and especially in the spring, it's real beautiful. In the fall, as I'm going down the highway, the, the leaves are brown and orange and green. 
tan. It's mixed colors. God has changed all of this every step of the way for us. He, He allows all of this for us. Trees help us to breathe. Plants help us to breathe. The season changing, it helps the land so that the land can help us to stay alive. There's planting time and harvesting time. Only God. If I put some seeds in the ground in the fall, they're going to come up. Maybe squat, a pumpkin. Whenever I plant it, it's going to come up beautiful. I fertilize the soil. And God bring the sunshine, the daylight. These plants get light. And he bless me to water them. And then he'll allow it to rain so that he can water the plants. We have food. But man want to take everything from God because he want to do things himself. He said to the farmer... After seven years, I mean, yeah, let the let the land rest. I think it's seven years, Brother Louis. After you done planted and cropped and harvest, let it rest. So that means while you have food coming, you gotta put food up, store food so that when the seven years come that you let the land rest, you won't starve to death. But we took from the farmer. We don't go back there. We are too modernized. We're too up-to-date, you know. Uh, we're too um, technology-savage, you know. We're in the technology-savage uh, age. we in the new world age. There's nothing new under the sun. Now, that's what the scriptures say. Barbara didn't say it. You can't hold it against me. I wasn't there when he inspired me in the writing. Yeah. But I like to stay in a place where I'm familiar with God, where I know him because I got him. I don't want to listen at these crooked whatever kind of people out here teaching the people and they just eating it up because they're too lazy to go to God for themselves. Yeah, they don't do that. They rotate the crops. I'm with you when you're right, Brother Lewis. Yeah. I've known a, a, a farmer to tell me this, that he didn't spray nothing. He said he went out there and sprayed prayer over his crops. Yeah, he went out there and sprayed prayer everywhere, all in the soil. He made his own fertilizer. I think they call it compost or something. He made his own fertilizer. And he said, just spread his prayer right in the fertilizer. Everything come up beautiful. He said he made some money. He was able to help a bunch of people. He was even able to help some more people to come into farming. You see? God is faithful to us. But it's us and what we desire. We, we, we got to be in the spotlight. We, we city folk, they calling us, I'm country. I'm like, Lord, rather me. If you're looking at me, you're looking at country. Some folk may say I'm ghetto. 
But you're looking at country. I'm from Florida. That's the South. It's country. I know people want to act like, you know, it's not, but it is. It's the country. And they're building more now. They have built more. So folk want to talk about it's metropolitan. All I can say is honeymoon. <laughs> Where were you when all them dirt roads was back there? Uh Metropolitan. Yeah, where were you? Yeah, that's what that was. Organic, no chemicals. It was the natural plants that he grew, Brother Lewis. It was a natural crop. No type of chemical. It came straight out the ground the way God designed for it. But he sprayed prayer on it. <laughs> he sprayed prayer out there. That's all he needed to spray. And he believed and trust God. And that's where we got to go today. Believing and trusting God. I'm going to give you Proverbs 3, 5 through 7. Go there. Stay there. No need for you to leave it. You want to be reminded that I can trust God with all my heart and lean not to my own understanding. In all my ways, if I pray, acknowledge God before I make a move, he, going to direct, he is going to direct my path. I don't need to be wise in my own eyes. Because I don't know nothing nobody. I need to fear God and depart from evil. Whatever I know that I'm doing wrong, whatever I know sins that I'm doing. Because he said, if you know it's wrong and you do it, it's a sin. But today we don't want to call sin out. They want to use another word. I don't use shortcoming too often. Uh-huh. Because the sin is sin and you just got to face it. Sometimes if we want to uh, weigh the sin, you know, we want to put it, me stealing um, a pack of $5 meat, <laughs> which you stealing a tractor trailer. Guess what? My $5 pack of meat stealing, I am just as guilty as if I stole a tractor trailer. Do you hear me? Stealing is stealing. You can put uh, uh, links on it. You can weigh it. Uh, it's just, it adds up to the same thing. But we try to act like it's not as bad. Wrong is wrong. Whether I fornicate or, or commit adultery, wrong is wrong. We try to weigh it, you know. Well, she didn't steal nothing but a bubble gum. But he stole that man's truck. Bogum stealing is just as guilty as truck stealing. Y'all forgive, I get tickled sometimes at myself. Yeah, but God is faithful to his people if we'll be faithful to him. Faithful in remembering his word. Faithful in standing on the promises and the word of God. Yeah, I'm grateful this morning and I'm thankful that he moved for me in a mighty way. I believe it was David that said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good for yourself. Try him. You can try him. On Amazon, they got clothes that you can try. They send them to you for seven days. If you like them, you buy them. If you don't, send them back. So try God for yourself. 
He's a burden bearer, heavy load sharer. He's our father. He's our master. He's our Lord. He's our savior. He's everything that we need, but we have not because we ask not. We don't go to him for it, so you don't, many times you don't get it because you're not, you're not going to uh, have him have be, well, be able to say, the Lord made me do it. Uh-uh. You did it on your own. And sometimes when we pray a prayer, we forget. God come in and do it. We looking. I'm raising my right hand because I'm guilty. I'm looking around like, what? What? And then the Lord will remind me, you asked me for this. And you know the enemy here said, yeah, it took him so long. That's why you forget. It don't matter how long it took him. He did it. <laughs> Hey, glory, hallelujah, Jesus. He did it because he's got perfect timing. Hallelujah. Okay, again, for the uh, mobile notary, that's Bella D. Bella D Mobile Notary LLC. Her phone number is 904-994-0734. Yeah, check her out. You need your notary done, check her out. If you're in the Jacksonville area, surrounding area, yeah, I'm sure she can come to you. So we're moving a little bit further. I just I just love the book of Acts and John and Matthews and all that. You know, certain books, you get, it's like you get kind of caught up in them sometimes. That New Testament, just do it for me. Because he took the Ten Commandments and turned them into two. And if we do the two, we've done the ten. See, I like all of that. Jesus came on the scene. And that New Testament and made things better for us. But look, we're we going to this one right here. I know y'all remember the Mississippi Mass Choir. I call them that Mississippi Mass. That's what I call them. And uh, these are some great singers. And God blessed Frank Williams to put this together. Gave them great talents and gifts and brought others in with great talents and great gifts. And this is one, of, yeah, I love them too. This is one of my favorite of songs. And Frank was lead on this one. And uh, I pray for his family, pray for his wife. Yeah, you know, I know a lot has changed since he passed away, but still, they're his lineage. So, you know, you pray for him. So, listen, we going with the Mississippi Mass at Near the Cross is the name of this one. And again, Frank Williams is leading. Yeah. 
This is the kind of radio you need. Yes, Jesus is the morning radio. Bold radio for real people. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Frank Williams on Lee and the Mississippi Mass Choir. Yeah, that them was a lot of voices. Woo! Yes, yes, yes. And uh, many of them individually could really sing, yeah. They had some voices. They could really carry a tune. Uh, not like me, Brother Louis. You know, I can't really carry one in that bucket, but I certainly will try. And it's all right today, in Jesus' name. Is there anyone else? We have 24 minutes now. We got plenty of time. Is there anyone else have something they would like to say? If so, please feel free to press that number one and come in, yeah, and uh, speak. If not, I will pray us out this morning, and uh, we'll go to our last song. We pray the Lord bring us back tomorrow morning, Wednesday morning, for another episode of Jesus in the Morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I got some requests. And Brother Louis, I think you sent me some song requests, and I'm looking for them, but I didn't find them because, you know, I get. But I tell you what, if you send them to freedomdoors at yahoo.com, freedomdoors at yahoo.com, I'll get your song requests, and I can download them and, and play them for you. Yeah. And I'm trying to work on, I got a lot going on, but I'm trying to work on not playing the song too long and uh, adding uh, the request of songs as quick as possible. Yeah, because I know people. some people get tired of hearing the same song because it's not their favorite song. But like them Alabama girls, and thank you, Lord. Ooh, I love that I can listen to that all day and all night. Yeah, because it just calls me to go in the praise. And tell him thank you. Hallelujah. All right. Let's pray. And uh, after prayer, we'll go to our last song of the morning. Aha, uh-huh, aha. Uh-huh, I love it. I love it. Yes, ma'am. Hallelujah. All right. So let's pray again. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you this morning for all you've done, what you're doing right now, Father, and what you're going to do. You're almighty God who have all power. There's no higher power. And we come before you as we depart this morning. Father, asking that you would bless our going out, bless our coming in, meet the need in our lives today according to your riches and glory by your son, Christ Jesus. Bless every household represented here, those coming through the archives and the podcast. Move today in the precious name of Jesus. And Lord, you know what we all need today, you know what we need in healing. You know what we need in our homes. And, Lord, you know what we need spiritually. We want to keep our mind on you so that you would keep us in perfect peace. Lord, give us a song today and give us your word, Proverbs 3, chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. Help us to walk in that today and tonight, oh God. And keeping our mind on you through a song even. In the name of Jesus. We speak uncommon blessings. We speak joy, unspeakable joy to each and every heart represented. Every household. Every family member. Every friend near and far. Today, oh God. In the name of Jesus. We thank you. We give you glory. We give you honor. And Father, we give you the praise. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen and hallelujah. 
May the Lord watch between me and thee while we are absent one from another. In the name of Jesus, go today in, in love and peace and share the good news of Jesus and give someone something of quality. God loves that you're forgiven. Have a blessed day. I speak the blessings of Almighty God upon you, June the 27th, 2023, in Jesus' name. So at this time, I'm going to say bye-bye, but we're going to our last song of the morning. Hallelujah.